You're listening to DraftKings Network. Frisbees. What are they? And why are they tearing this country apart? (laughs) Welcome to the Mystery Crate. On today's episode, we take a deep dive into the world of ultimate frisbee and disc golf. We probe where the differences are, the personalities therein, and the difficulties of life in the world of disc. Walter Cronkite over here. Do you think that any community has been torn apart by frisbees? I mean, I, honestly, I'll give you my I'll give you my my motivation. Hi, welcome to the mystery crate. If you're still listening, I, I mean, do. I hope you are because it's only been like 45 seconds. So if you're not, <laughs> and we're off to a really bad start. We just got here. So we were going to talk to a uh, disc golf pro athlete, and then we had the opportunity to also talk to an ultimate frisbee player. So we said, you know what? Let's do a frisbee episode. And frisbees are fun, right? But I was looking at, uh, I don't know if you guys watched last week tonight often. I've never seen like full things. I just watched the videos like on YouTube and it's very popular and it's very successful. And I realized that John Oliver basically just gives you like a topic and then tells you how it's like responsible for the downfall of society. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Spot on. Yeah. But I feel like Frisbee and disc golf is not the case. So it may not have been a good example for why it is that, you know, the world is falling apart because I don't think the Frisbee or disc golf are to blame for that. Well, I could give you an easy example of this. If a kid throws a Frisbee into a neighbor's yard and the neighbor's tired of that Frisbee going in his or her yard, doesn't return it. Now you got yourself a neighbor versus neighbor situation and that can tear apart this nation. Yeah. So I think when you say communities, when people say communities are being torn apart, usually they're talking about like small cities, like the equivalent of like Pembroke Pines in South Florida, right? It's like, it's a city, but it's not really a city. It's a community, right? Whereas I think if you narrow down the scope of community down to like one neighborhood, then yeah, I think a community has at one point been torn apart by a Frisbee. Hmm. I really have no opinion on this. Really? really? I really have never thought about it before. It's a good thought starter, Billy. But uh, yeah, really, wow. I have I have nothing. I have nothing on Jessica, this. that's not allowed. You have to have an opinion. Oh, I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm so bad at being one of those hot take people that's just like, here's what I think, but I don't really think it. I just like, it's just good for, for debate, right? I don't know. Like someone give me something like Frisbees. Have they ever killed a man? I think yes. How's that? Ooh. Wow. This took a dark turn. Like if there's blades on the side of the frisbee, kind of like uh, oh, wow. dark no, angel. No, just Wait. a regular frisbee. Do you think a frisbee? So you, ha- you have like- you have there being weaponized frisbees. Has it ever been a murder weapon? I mean, oh boomerang technology here. I guess maybe Ready? like maybe like <laughs> as a resident murderer. <laughs> I knew that. I was waiting for it to go in this direction. I planted this so Witty would incriminate himself. I have to imagine that at some point. <laughs> while chasing a frisbee, maybe like in the street, like you go, you go like running out. You're trying to catch a frisbee. You're not paying attention once around, and maybe like you run into a car. Perhaps a car hits you. Like that, perhaps has happened. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's happened. Yeah. 
I have no one to blame for this but myself. I'm going to be honest with you. Because here's the thing. We're headed into a holiday weekend, right? And we said, let's have a fun episode. Let's talk about Frisbees. Let's talk to a Frisbee golfer. Let's talk to an ultimate Frisbee announcer, right? So we had the ultimate Frisbee announcer come on, who you'll hear from shortly. He's here to promote America's block party. It's like a whole thing that you can have bets on, free-to-play games, DraftKings, Game of the Week, Madison at Chicago, the American Ultimate Disc League. All these things, right? Exciting times, things that we should be promoting like very excitedly and fun, lighthearted, holiday weekend. And instead, I took it to a place that I shouldn't have and I had it tearing apart communities and now we've gone to how to Frisbees murder people. You're right, this is your fault, Billy. It, it, 100%, I can't even argue it. I can't even argue it. Like the setup has not been the best. And again, it's on me. It's on me. I did this. I'm sorry. Maybe what we can do, Billy, to fix this is we can put all the plugs in the description and then you see it in the description and say, hey, look, you, you, you send him a screen grab. Hey, look, we did all the plugs in the description and then we can leave this in. Now, I am very excited about all the Frisbee content going on this weekend on the platforms of DraftKings that like our previous conversation did not dampen my enthusiasm, but I still think we should cover ourselves in that other way. Yeah. When you say plugs, are you referring to DraftKings and them hosting America's block party with a number of free to play pools throughout the weekend starting tonight? The American Ultimate Disc League, AUDL, Game of the Week, Madison at Chicago, can be seen on the DraftKings YouTube page and Twitch, and we'll have a second half free-to-play pool. You're talking about a plug like that? Yeah, that's exactly what I was referring to. Should I subscribe, perhaps, to DraftKings' YouTube channel? Subscribe to all the YouTube channels, but specifically this one for this. Like, if you want the free-to-play stuff, DraftKings. Yeah. You want to talk to Evan Lepler? <laughs> Let's do it. We're joined now by the voice of Ultimate. Evan Lepler of the American Ultimate Disc League joins us now. Evan, you guys have kind of a cool thing going on tonight. Game of the week, Madison at Chicago. And there's going to be free-to-play games in the second half. If you go on the DraftKings website, you can watch this game on DraftKings YouTube page and on Twitch. Evan, we have a number of questions about Ultimate because... We were talking before you got here, and we all think that we could be ultimate Frisbee players. Why could we not? Well, do you guys like to run? No. Yeah. No. Sure. Why a not? A little bit. Yeah. Well, not at all. Like sure. a good run. You know. Yeah. Not a run. Because there's a lot of running involved. Like, in, in my younger days, I thought I was a pretty good player. But I am experienced enough to know now that while I can still throw a Frisbee really well, my days of playing great defense are well past my prime. Now, what what are the athletic skills required beyond just endurance running? I feel like if it's just like you, you run really fast, you'll do well at this game. Or not not fast, but like you just are constantly at a sprint. You've got good, you know, you, you, you put in your miles. You show up in good cardiovascular shape. What else is required? You got to be able to flick the hook. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the throwing skills are very important, just as the catching skills. Like at the highest level, if you drop the disc, your team really can't afford to have you on the field. Like, if you have more than one drop in a game, that's that's really uncharacteristic and poor. Uh, so the disc skills in terms of catching throws that are coming in hot, coming at all different angles with spin and with slice. I mean, the pros make it look really easy, but, you know, try to catch something that's thrown to your hands a hundred times in a row, you'll probably drop it four or five times and pros just don't do that evan what are the dimensions of the field right like what's the furthest you can throw to go and, and get it so the audl plays basically on a football field 
an American football field. So the only difference is the end zones are 20 yards deep instead of 10 yards deep. So that means instead of a hundred yard playing field proper, as you call it, you have 80 yards of playing field from the 10 to the 10 with the, the two 20 yard end zones at each end. So, you know, the best throwers can throw it 80, 90, a hundred yards. You know, if, and you, you could have the disc like deep in your own end zone so theoretically, you could throw it 111 yards in the air, whatever it would be. But, you know, I'd say the, the average throwers can throw it 70, 75, and the elite throwers can throw it 80, 90, 100, depending on what the wind conditions are. Uh, and, you know, the, the full field, 53 and a third yards wide, just like an American football field. So there's a lot of space. There's a lot of running, as I mentioned. And, uh, I mean, it's really just a great game because – the, the disc allows you to do things from a, a gravity standpoint that just you can't do in other sports. The way you can float it to space, the way you can manipulate kind of the, the jet stream to, to put the disc in different spaces. And like the athletic, if you guys have watched, the athletic layouts and skies and guys just kind of throwing their body around. Uh, that's another thing, like, you, you probably don't necessarily associate ultimate frisbee with with you know, the the hierarchy of toughness. You wouldn't think of ultimate as the top, but like if you're doing a shoulder high layout past somebody, whether you get it or not, you're landing on the ground. You got to get right back up and go. Like if it's an incomplete pass, you don't have a 40 second play clock to to start before the next possession. Play continues immediately, and you got to go. So. It's a game of endurance and speed and high-flying athleticism and then just kind of the, the majestic beauty of the soaring disc is, is a thing to behold. So there are no set offensive plays like in football on offense, right? Are there any routes that they take, like a nine route, like an out route, like a slant? There are dozens of offensive plays, and virtually every possession, a team will have a set where they're you know, we, we, we describe it in ultimate as usually a stack. So there's a vertical stack where the majority of the players will kind of line up in a line in the middle of the field. There's a horizontal stack where they'll kind of line up horizontally, which opens up space both underneath and deep, whereas a vertical stack kind of opens up space on each side of it. There's a split stack where you might have two or three guys kind of line up on the sidelines and kind of make their cuts more to the middle of the field coming across horizontally. Uh, and, I mean, teams are known for what we call their pull plays, the, the things they want to run right after the pull to get into position. And, and similarly, defenses uh, are doing a bunch of different things to try to prevent uh, the offense from getting that early rhythm. We're going to see the Madison Radicals in our game of the week. They're, they're the team that's kind of pioneered the zone defense that now everybody runs in the AUDL, kind of a 2-4-1 and – using a two giants on a mark to set double teams and make throwers uncomfortable and a really athletic guy deep, deep that like, interestingly, Peter Graffy, who led the AUDL and D's multiple times in large part because he was the deep, deep in Madison zone. Uh, he now plays for Chicago and this will actually be his first game ever against the Madison radicals team that he led to the 2018 championship. So among many interesting storylines, uh, that, that revenge game, that, that revenge game for uh, not only Peter Graffy, but also another former radicals champ, Pat Trywise. Certainly things I'm most looking forward to about this week. Ooh, payback coming up. What kind of dirty stuff do we see in the game? Like what does a real dirty player on a team look like? 
the real dirty player on a team throws their body around without much regard for who he's going to take out when he leaves the ground. And that is frowned upon uh, and discouraged and usually will receive an unsportsmanlike call. But at the same time, you see it. And, you know, just like uh, in the NHL, most teams hate the enforcer on the other team, but the teammates swear by him. Uh, there, there are guys who push the edge of physicality in ultimate, especially defensively, that are beloved by their teammates and get you know stigmatized by the rest of the league. So those guys certainly exist. I, I do think in large part, Chris, that the spirit and integrity in the AUDL in particular is pretty high, and you don't see a ton of reckless behavior because, look, it's dangerous if you backpack a guy. If you know, you're chasing a guy running for a disc and you just jump and leap through their back to go and get it, that, that is dangerous for everyone involved. And the rules of the sport say it's a non-contact sport. Anyone who plays it or watches it quickly realizes that's not totally accurate. But the ambition is to keep it relatively non-contact and injury-free, of course, especially coming out of a pandemic, injuries happen. Evan, you mentioned integrity, and it gets to something that I've been wanting to ask you about, the integrity rule, where it seems like you can overturn something that an official has decided if you feel like, hey, I just want to be an honest, good person. Why would you want to be an honest, good person if you benefited from a call? Because winning is not the end-all, be-all. I mean, and if you win by cheating, what does that say about you? You want to win fair. You don't want to win and have the other team to be like, oh, you won because you got this call. You know, like, I think it'd be really interesting if, if other professional sports had the integrity rule. Like, a few days ago, I'm watching the Hawks Bucks, and Trey Young's dribbling the ball, and Drew Holiday clearly knocked it away, but the official missed it. Trey Young picked it up in the backcourt. They called it a backcourt violation. Replay reviews clearly showed that Drew Holiday tapped it into the backcourt, but it's Bucks ball. They play on. Would it have been a bad thing if Drew Holiday said to the ref, no, I hit that. It's it's Atlanta's ball. Like, would that be a bad thing for the sport if referees' bad calls were overturned by honesty and integrity from the competitors? I, I think that is, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a tad idealistic, but I think that is what, as humanity, we should strive for. Now, look, sometimes two teams aren't going to agree and you need someone to make the call, and that's why referees are critical and important to maintaining flow of the game and past uh, renditions of ultimate and, and still they play at the club level and internationally without referees. And that creates uh, an incredible amount of like long stoppages and arguments that aren't fun. Like you want, you need someone to make the call, but I think the integrity from our players. And I mean, the number of times a guy has made a call against his team in a key moment in the fourth quarter that, that hurts their team. Uh, and then I asked him about it after the fact. It's like, you know, I, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't feel good winning the game if we won by me taking advantage of that call and that bad call. Like, so yeah, there's something idealistic about it and it may not work for everybody, but I think it's, it's one of the coolest parts of our sport. And I think if you watch us week in, week out, you see in virtually every game, there are instances where players will overturn calls that officials make because they have the integrity and they want to win fair and square. 
I have to be honest. I I did this in a Sunday soccer game and was absolutely roasted for it by my colleagues here. So as you should, I be. think as I think this be. three minute speech that you just gave is falling on deaf ears. I would hate my teammate. Yeah, get out of here. I mean, you asked what you are if you win, but you cheat. You're a winner. Yes. 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 You're the Tampa Bay yes. Lightning. Yeah. Boys the Lightning. cup, yeah. AUDL cup at the end of the season. I want to see so, the cup. I don't know. Lightning. I mean, in in the long term, if you want to live that way, I mean, I I'd rather win fair and square. I'd rather. I mean, yeah, I guess Evan is judging all of your lifestyles. It's not just about judging all of your lifestyles. All of you, look look in the mirror, because Evan Lepler has told has told you you're living life incorrectly. Evan, how common are fat? I, I, I I don't think I said that you're living life incorrectly. I think that there's an ideal that Ultimate strives to shoot for. And I reject the premise that, uh, you know, you'd rather win by cheating than not to win at all, because that doesn't say much about your character. Does it make me a bad person or say something negative about my character that I would only consider invoking the integrity rule to show up the official? Um, <laughs> no, I mean, who likes referees? Like, we don't, no one likes officials in any sport. Witty. You know, but like in every sport, referees get 90 to 95% of the calls right, unless you're Angel Hernandez, no. and 5 to 10% of the calls wrong. Evan, growing up, what sport did you actually want to be good at? Wow. I'm just a punching bag here today. <laughs> What sport did I <laughs> well, want I just to assume be good at? Nobody I mean, really I didn't does, know about ultimate. I'm not really. I got to college. I'm not trying to be rude. Like nobody grows up saying, "Oh, I want to be an ultimate frisbee player." I feel like it's a sport a lot of athletes like fall into. It's like, "Oh shit, I'm actually good at this sport." As like you know, you don't grow up saying ultimate. You know, I think you'll be surprised to learn, especially in the next decade, how many players do grow up playing ultimate since they're in middle school. Uh, because there are more and more like middle school programs and ultimate is a sport where that prides itself on integrity and is more fun and, and like less just brute force demanding than, than a lot of other sports. But, but, you know, personally, I played baseball and basketball and soccer and tennis and, and loved all those games. But, you know, I quickly realized I wasn't going to be a professional in any of them. So my ambition going to college was to play as much pickup basketball as I could and, maybe consider walking on to the team at Wake Forest. Uh, but, you know, I don't know if I wanted to commit myself that much to just running scout team. So I found Ultimate, and it was a great way to, to stay in shape, and I became super passionate about it and, and loved throwing the disc and still love throwing, still love playing, but don't love running as much as I used to, so don't play as much as I used to. But I, 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 I challenge all of you to go to a pickup game and, like, try not to have fun. Like chasing a Frisbee is fun and you'll quickly realize if you're competitive, like I am, when other people are better than you, you'll want to get better. And like anything, it's, it's a fun skill to try to improve. Can you learn to throw a flick 60 yards? Can you learn to throw a backhand 70 yards? Can you learn to throw a hammer or a scuba? Uh, all the different ways you can throw and manipulate a Frisbee. It is, it is more fun than shooting free throws or running wind sprints uh, uh, any, any day of the week. I promise you that. Evan, we've been over this before with Chris, just so you know. He just thinks that if it's a sport he doesn't watch, then it must not be popular and other people must not like it. So I, I assure you it wasn't anything personal. 
No, no, I mean, that that's cool. Like, look, I mean, I recognize how small Ultimate is. And, I mean, our relationship with DraftKings is a huge deal for, for the league because hopefully it'll draw more eyeballs. And, look, like the, the week one opening night game we had on the DraftKings Dream Stream where Madison and Minnesota went down to the wire and there was a crazy hand block with two seconds left that changed possession and the game went into overtime. Like, that was an amazing uh, – uh, game for people to see ultimate for the first time realize like the drama and the excitement that there is and look i know there's that there's the reputation and stigmas of of frisbees through the past you know half century of the the pot smoking stoners or the game that you play with the dogs but you come out to an AUDL game you will see the athletes that are comparable to you know any division 1 college sport that, that i i would uh, put up there, you know, really with anything. What's the coolest thing you can do with a Frisbee, Evan, before we let you go? The coolest thing you can do with a Frisbee? On the field or off the field? Let's do one on the field, one off the field. Well, I think, I mean, the coolest thing you can do with a Frisbee is throw it. And, and throw it with different shapes and with different spin and different speeds and different lengths. Like anything. Like, you, you can manipulate a Frisbee and the way you throw it way more ways than you can manipulate a baseball or a football. And I say that as a guy who pitched in little league as a kid, like it's just totally and completely different. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the coolest thing you might be able to do with a Frisbee off the field is, is drink out of it. I mean, I don't know if you guys want to take a venture at a guess at how many beers a Frisbee can hold. But you know, when I was in college, that was a thing that uh, happened occasionally. And I mean, any, any guesses, how many, how many, how many beers a Frisbee can hold? Ooh. Four. It's got Seven. way less than that, like Two. three quarters. Three yeah. quarters of one. For, for my, from my experience, and I mean, my Frisbee is like three arm lengths away from me where I'm sitting right now. Uh, about three and a half beers can fit in a Frisbee, and that's really full. And it's called a full tilt. And I think I've only done one once in my life because I'm not a huge drinker. But, uh, you know, if that's your cup of tea in uh, a matter of speaking – uh, that might be a fun thing to do with the Frisbee, too. Wait a minute. Walk me through a full tilt. So you pour three and three-quarters beers into a Frisbee, and then you just kind of, like, start sipping out of it without spilling it all over you? Because that would be the challenge, I would think, right, of the full tilt is how do you get it to come out a part of the Frisbee without not getting it all over you? I mean, the same way you put uh, milk in your bowl of cereal and then lift up the cereal and finish the milk. I don't think of a frisbee as having that much depth to be able You'll to be like, surprised. To, to like to like it doesn't it doesn't seem like a bowl shape. It doesn't seem like it has enough depth to it. We got to get you guys uh, with their officially Discraft Ultra Stars is the the brand name of an old ultimate disc, mm, yes. and uh, we should get you all each an AUDL official AUDL game disc, and you can take it to the field and work on those full field hucks, oh, yeah, and awesome. then uh, you can. See if you can do Locking a full it. tilt without getting it all over your shirt. I mean, that'd let's be one. Make Whittingham do one. Let's yeah. make him. Let's make him do it. Yeah, the full tilt. Make oh, Woody do a full you, tilt. You want me to do a full tilt? Yeah. Chug and a hook. Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. Evan, how do you feel about the Nerf Vortex? I know this isn't related to Frisbee at all, but remember the Vortex when it came out that it had like those screaming whistles on the side of it, and you could just throw perfect spirals. Yeah, I I didn't like that. Because when you caught it, your fingers would, like, not catch the Frisbee. It would catch the plasticky, hard. Yeah. Like the, the tail. Noise. So it, wasn't, it was a much better 
football to throw than to catch. But yeah, no, I, I enjoyed a Nerf Vortex as a kid. There's also like, I mean, there's all different kinds of discs out there for disc golf and there's different kinds of ultimate, ultimate disc too. I mean, the ultra star is, is the, the one that you want to throw if you're playing ultimate, but like there's something called an aerobie Frisbee, which is like that ring with like just a kind of a shallow perimeter ring with a big hole in the middle. You could look it up and you can literally throw that thing hundreds of yards in the air. Like just it, it flies unbelievably. And as far as I know, like there's not a sport like ultimate based around it, but I mean, you can do uh, incredible things with an aerobia. A friend had one in college and we would like throw with it from like one end of the campus, like literally to the other until it would like, the wind would catch it and it would land on a building and that would be the end of that. The AUDL game of the week, Madison at Chicago. You can watch it on the DraftKings YouTube page, DraftKings Twitch. You can also have free to play pools in the second half. Evan, the voice of ultimate, thank you for joining us here on the Mystery Crate today. Can I ask you guys one thing before I go? Can you guys raise your hand if you have watched the AUDL yet? Has anyone watched a game? My cousin's a really, really, really good Frisbee player. He's a little bit too old now to be professional, but he used to travel the country playing Ultimate. So I'm a little familiar with Frisbee, a little oh. bit more familiar than I let on at the beginning of this interview because okay. no one likes to know it all, Chris Whittingham. The last thing I'll say is this, and then I'll let you all go. The vast majority of people who see it for the first time are blown away, impressed with the athleticism, the excitement, and everything that goes into a game day atmosphere. I do think that if you or anyone else gave it a chance, you'd be pretty amazed. Uh, and like, look, it's, it's a cheap, inexpensive night out to go to a game. It's a super inexpensive sport to play. You just need a disc and grass or not even grass. If you want to be hardcore and play in a parking lot, you can do that too. So there's an easiness to, to getting involved in ultimate and it's it's riveting to watch if you give it a chance. So I hope y'all do that uh, sometime th the next several weeks, either on our DraftKings game of the week or our Fox Sports game of the week that airs on uh, FS2 every Wednesday night. Friends, a lot has changed over the years, personally, and across our airwaves. But one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. You know, for me personally, I recently bought a few six-packs of Miller Lite for my housewarming party, because that's one thing that's changed for me. I moved into a new house, and I brought some friends over, and we enjoyed the best light beer. Because Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. Less filling and only 96 calories. The original light beer since 1975. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com crate. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. We now hop on our jet and we take us from ultimate land to disc golf pro land. We're going to talk to Ricky Wasaki, Saki bomb, and he's going to tell us about the DGPT, the disc golf pro tour. We're joined now by 
Disc golf's former number one ranked player. You can't start with former. Can't start I'm a two time world champion. He, he's well, he's, he's one in our personal record champion. Book. That sounds a little better. Two time <laughs> world champion. Well, wait, yeah, I'm a world, world champion. No, we're going to get there. Listen, okay. don't sell yourself short. You're going to be more than a two-time world champion. No, he doesn't have to sell him so, himself short. You, you sold him short. Yeah. No, you false. Did. Yeah, you you did. started with his Ricky. No the first part of his bio. No, Come Ricky. on, man. You're... <laughs> Ricky, listen to me. You don't have to dig that deep to introduce Ricky. me. <laughs> You're going to be more than just a two-time world champion. Okay. I'm telling you this. I feel like you don't believe it. I believe done? in you right now. I feel oh. like more than you do. You were the former number one, and you're going to be the future number one again. Exactly. I I'm going to have more world titles in my name by the time my career's over, dude. I can promise you, broke, you that. You broke this Paul Macbeth seven-year run at number one in the world. This Macbeth guy, by the way, do you hate him? Because I hate him for you. <laughs> there is a huge rivalry. I'll put it that way. Yeah. And so, yes, there's a, so, some hatred because of the rivalry. Yes. So for those of you who don't know, Paul Macbeth, jerk, signed a $10 million <laughs> 10-year deal. Ricky Wysocki, Saki Bomb, as I like to call him, is actually the best disc golfer in the world. And this Paul Macbeth who has barely any more wins than you do, because I was looking up your careers yeah. and compared them to each other, barely better than you, seems to be the media darling that everybody likes to talk to and all the announcers like to talk up. And I was on the disc golf Reddit and I was reading about the fact that people are outraged that he gets better press than you do. Why is that? And how do we bury him? <laughs> That's so funny. Well, I did, a, I did a good start this year. I, I started off and I won like four or five big events and so for me as a player, it's more of like, I get judged based on my performance. That's just kind of, and I was talking to my tour manager about this. It's kind of just a psychological thing. When you're a top player in any sport, you basically judge yourself based on how the public views you as a player. So if you don't perform well, you start getting into this d depression because people may not like you because you're not, you don't perform as, as well as they want you to, or you think you should. And so for me, it comes down to like, if I play you know, well and I'm winning tournaments, winning big events in the disc golf community, people are going to know your name. They're going to buy your discs. You're going to um, have royalties from these sponsorships, the sponsorship, you know, all the other stuff that comes along with playing well. But that's the number one thing we focus on. So then the press is going to be giving me more coverage than, than Paul. And so, so I can control some stuff, but like even when I win, it's like it's almost like the tiger effect in, in, in golf. Like someone else is winning the tournament. But Tiger may be five or ten strokes back of the leader, but they're filming Tiger. And it's like, come on, guys, this other guy's winning the tournament. It's all about the now. Athletics and performance of a top-level sport is what can you do for me now, you know? Of course, Tiger has earned the right to, to be able to be talked about every tournament uh, because he's, he's just Tiger. But, like, so it's kind of got that effect to a certain extent. Uh, and so, but the more and more you start, I start beating him and winning more tournaments than him, it's slowly going to move the needle towards me versus Paul. That, that's what I'm starting to do this year already. So would you say that you're like the Dustin Johnson of disc golf? Yeah, yeah. I think if to relate it to people that maybe don't know the to put the rivalry in perspective, I think that's a good good way to put it. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's something where, yeah, I think that's a good, a good person to relate to. He's a has-been. Say it. That's what we're getting at. <laughs> Paul's a has-been. You're the future. I, th I think so, honestly. I got some years on him. I think it's a lot more of me being hungry. He got the big contract, everybody, you know, it's great for the sport. People are like, oh, Paul got a $10 million contract in disc golf. That's amazing. So it validates it in a lot of these young kids that are future generation of disc golf. Like, hey, hey, mom, I want to play disc golf. There's there's a contract here. There's a future here. And um, and so for me, it's more of like I'm hungry for that contract. I know that I'm worth that much. So I got to go out and prove it to my sponsors and, and everybody that also thinks that I'm worth that money. And, and it's just a matter of time based on my performance and how I've been playing that I'm going to get 
a big contract. And as a, as an athlete, that's what you set yourself up for. How did you get into disc golf? Because I'm going to be honest with you. I've basically just seen like the disc golf goals or whatever it is that you would call them, like at yeah. public parks. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then I figure you just throw regular Frisbees. And then I was walking around Dick's and I see there's distance drivers, fairway yeah. drivers, mid range putters. There's all kinds of discs for this game that I thought you could just use a regular Frisbee for. Yeah. For me, start, I started off in Ohio. I grew up, I was a homeschooled kid and I was like, all right, well, I want, I want something to do when I'm done with my homework kind of thing. So I would, I would I'd, uh, get my homework done. Go, uh, I could throw a disc to the disc golf course. There's just a local park in Ohio, Medina, Ohio, and um, walk to the course. I'd go practice, and I didn't, you know, at the time I didn't know I was going to be a top player, world champion in the sport. But um, I was 15 years old, just wanting something fun to do. So I went out and played, and uh, just kind of started from there. I threw, I threw it, threw a disc like 10 feet up in the air, and, and it wasn't like I was some crazy athlete right off the get go, and started just making aces and throwing crazy shots. It was like. I stunk it up and then I, I worked my way up practice. I was a baseball player. So I worked, you know, I had, you know, baseball is a, you got to go every day, practice, get better. And so I just translated that over into disc golf. And it's, it's awesome to see the, see like the dedication that the top players have. It's no different than any other sport uh, as far as, you know, dedication, you know, working with like, you, you know, and I was, I'm kind of fast forwarding from, from the start of disc golf to now, but um, a lot of the disc golfers, like I work with a nutritionist full time. I'm working with, you know, uh, personal trainers that, you know, my, my personal trainer is, uh, we used to work with the Anaheim ducks. So he used to be head uh, Anaheim duck trainer. So there's, there's big level, um, trainers and at, and nutritionists and stuff getting involved with the sports in the sport, because they see the, how big it's getting, how much we need that. Uh, we need to treat our bodies well, just like any other professional sport does to, to stay healthy. Now, that seems like an exorbitant amount of training. I would say just to the average listener, right? Like, yeah. that, that, like that level of commitment. Why do you feel like you need to do all that? So for me, it's it's more that allows me to, you know, if I'm working with a nutritionist, if I'm, you know, working with a personal trainer, that allows me to prolong my career, allows me to play healthier and play stronger, throw discs farther what kind of strategy uh, do you have to have going into disc golf? Is it the assumption of regular golf? Uh, does it vary by hole? So, so yeah, basically, once you get to a top level of, of our sport, basically what it comes down to is like we, we go uh, – tournaments are usually Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday through Thursday we're practicing, we're playing the courses that we're, we're dialing in every hole, uh, all the different wind variables. And, and so there's a lot of different variables that we're practicing Monday through Thursday, and then the tournaments are Friday to Sunday. Um but yeah, there, there, there's uh, like I said, there's lots of lots of variables that we're that we're getting ready for. Uh, each course is obviously different, and um, and so we're touring. A lot of times, we're we have a new tournament every week, just like the PGA Tour would. You maybe go like last week we were in the World Championships in Utah, and then and then we took I took a week off this week, and then next week's in Iowa. We have a big the big Pro Tour event. So there's actually a Pro Tour where we have that we follow around the Pro Tour. Uh, different sponsors sponsor each event in different cities. And then um, we have the world championships. Sometimes we go to Europe. I've been to Australia, Japan playing. Um, and a lot of times when I'm playing these big events, I'm also doing, you know, um, demonstrations and clinics like in Thailand. I went one time disc golf's obviously not very popular there, but we're, uh, I did a clinic in front of like 500 Thai kids and showed them how to, how to put a disc and, and throw a disc and stuff. So I'm playing a tournament, but I'm also an ambassador for the sport as well, doing the clinics and demonstrations, showing my expertise and sharing it with not just the country, but the world too. 
So I've been watching some videos of the tournament and the way that it's broadcast and the way that the observers, the spectators are, it's like golf. Like everybody's very quiet. The announcers who are not obviously following you guys right behind you at the holes, but they're like whispering into the microphone like this when you guys are taking shots. Do you feel like maybe it's a little too calm? Like I feel like you're a fun guy and you wouldn't mind if it was more of like a happy Gilmore environment than like a PGA Tour environment. Well, I think, yeah, I think that, you know, it's, it's funny that you notice that because it's like, there's, there's definitely that aspect of like crazy fo- fans, followers that are drunk, you know, the spectators are, are, and a lot of people probably saw the shot that James Conrad hit last week. A lot of the spectators, um, yeah, they're drinking, they're having fun. They're local disc golfers in, in the area where we have the sport and they just want to go out and support the, um, the sport, the sport and the tournament. And so they're, they're having fun and drinking. So, but it's not like, it's not like the top players are doing that. Or, you know, it's, we're, we're treating it seriously, but just like a golf tournament, you go to a golf tournament, you want to have, take a break from your job. You're going to go drink and party and have fun, you know, and just use that as entertainment. And so disc golf's turning into that where the, you know, people, but they're, they're drunk and they're having fun. But when, when it comes down to it and we're throwing a shot for a world championship, they're going to be quiet and respect the fact that like we dedicate our lives to this. How Ricky. insane is that James Conrad shot, by the way? Cause I saw it made sports center. That has to be good for you guys where you get yeah. that on sports center. How difficult is that? 247 feet. Well, the thing, the thing is, it's crazy. It's like, I was talking to all, a lot of my top player buddies that were also playing in the event. were like saying like, Oh, it was the farthest throw in for the tournament that you had. And me, I had like, just to put it in perspective, probably like 80 feet was my farthest shot that I made all weekend through five rounds of the world championships. And he, he was down one stroke in the last very last hole. So basically this is the last hole of the fifth round, 17th hole. We play 18 holes. This is the 18th hole. And it looks like he's he he's he's just gonna he's gonna lose because Paul laid up and he had a one stroke lead. He throws it in from 250 feet, which is like situationally that's just insane. That'd be like literally hitting like a three quarter court shot in the finals to tie it up on with as the buzzer expires. So it's like, when's the last time you've seen that? Never. So it's like, in a certain and I'm a little biased, but that's like the most insane sports shot. Like if if you if you were to if you realize. Um, sports and like golf and like all the situations that occurred. It's just ridiculous. And it was insane. It was, everything was on the line and people don't realize that for, everything was on the line from 250 feet away. Like I didn't even have a throw in and I'm one of the best players in the world, not even close to that. And he did it on the very last hole to force a playoff to where that he then won the tournament. So it's like situationally, it was just absolutely insane. Like I've made longer shots, but that doesn't matter. It's all about that shot, that shot at the time, was situationally way better than the shot that even if I hit an ace or throw in way longer than that, it wasn't nearly as cool. What is the longest shot you've hit though? Um, I've had like a 400, we go by feet, disc golfers, obviously golf goes by yard, but we go by feet because we don't have a, a club to propel. We're using all our body. So in, in a way it's harder to throw farther uh, in disc golf than it is in golf. But anyways, I, I have like a 450 foot ace, which is like insane. Most people can't even throw that far and I got an ace that far. <laughs> so. And like I said, it's way further than James's shot, but James's shot is, is way more amazing situationally. Ricky, so with being so laser focused, um, I enjoy a, a tall, frosty, cold one on the course once in a while. Like, do you and, and buddies play like in a normal setting where you're not playing professionally? Do you enjoy a nice cold one on the course or is it something where if you're playing, like you're not messing around? That's a great question. So most of the time it's like, I'm either, I'm practicing to play a tournament. So like, Monday, like I say, Monday through Thursday, I'm playing, I'm literally going out 7, 8 a.m. and playing two rounds a day to get, to get dialed in, get practice, get my shots figured out. So it's like, I don't have time. Like 
and maybe in the off season when I'm not getting ready and training for a tournament, I go out and have a couple of drinks and just enjoy time with the buddies and just laugh and, and shoot the crap just like most people would. But like, if I'm getting ready for a tournament, then no, it's just all focus. I'm, I'm getting my game ready to win. And so it just depends on what, what I'm practicing for. If I'm practicing the off season or in the, for a, for a tour event or a world championship or something, it's just, it's just totally different. Ricky, are you a sharpshooter? Like if you're ever sitting on the couch, could you ever just like throw a disc across the room, turn off the lights or like knock out something if you have to, like there's a door slightly ajar, you just hit it with a disc and open the door for people. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, actually like I'm, I'm known for like, that's my specialty is like putting and it's all hand-eye coordination. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I definitely can do that. Like throw a piece of paper in the garbage can and say Kobe, like, like a lot of, a lot of things. I'm just hand-eye coordination. Like it's just, I've disc golf trained through disc golf to be good at a lot of different like starts and cornhole, a lot of like random, just straight hand-eye coordination sports. Drive for show, putt for dough. Am I right, Ricky? Oh yeah. That's so true. You can check out Ricky Saki bomb, his signature discs all on disc golf pro tour. Go to dgpt.com. Ricky, thank you for joining us today. Oh yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I'm glad I could sh shed some light on the, on the professional side of disc golf and then, uh, join the show. You guys are awesome. Thanks for if having me. If you ever me. come down to Miami, let's hit the links. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I'm wow. down. There's some good courses Cold ones there. on me. I got you. Are there, right. Wait, hold on. Wait, where are the good courses here? Are you guys are all in Miami? Yeah. yeah. So, um, Indian hammocks park. You guys heard of that? It's right yes. next to my house. Yes. Well, yeah. Indian hammocks. I've actually played tournament there. So that's a good course. What about Broward? Um, <laughs> yeah. Indian ham. There's like, I think there's two courses there. So if, if I come out next time, we'll, we'll have to go Let's play go. there. When is there a tournament? Like when can we see you at a tournament there? Um, so like Florida, it's just a Florida. Most there's no tournaments really in Miami. Yeah. This golf scene isn't big enough, but like there's, there's still courses like, um, most of the big events are like up north, like Orlando and Tampa. Um, the twelve-time world champion actually lives in in Tampa Bay. Twelve he's like a legend time, in the sport. Ken Climo, yeah, he's a twelve-time world champion. So Climes. he's just, yeah, he's um he doesn't play as much anymore, but he's uh but yeah. So you Florida, you Floridians have some uh, disc golfers to be proud of. You just don't know it yet. Ricky, Indian Hammocks Park. Next time you're down, cold ones on me. Let's make it happen. Love it, dude. I need I need that. I need to reset the mind and play a fun drunk round, maybe. <laughs> Drown. Oh my gosh. Folks, gather around. Everyone, gather around. Listen to these words. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers, listen to me. You bet just 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code DAN. That's code DAN for new customers. And you get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. That's insane. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY. Or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I know we didn't pick the Frisbee dueling frisbee topics to like create a debate between one or the other cause tension a feud there's probably some overlap there right but i have to say to me disc golf feels like the winner same hmm i want to play it now like right now mm -hmm. well I, I see that okay as an endeavor you'd like to pursue 
I would agree that disc, disc golf is probably better just because ultimate, it requires a substantial amount of cardiovascular shape. But I do think that the more, I guess, worthwhile athletic pursuit is ultimate. That would be my takeaway from our two interviews today. I think I'd be in, I'd have to be in two different moods to play them, right? Like if I wanted to have fun with my friends, I would do ultimate. If I wanted to kind of compete, well, no, because I'd be competing in ultimate. If I wanted maybe like a, a day to myself to hone my skills, I think I'd do disc golf. I just, I think like I can't get behind a, a sport with an integrity rule, you know? Mm. I just want to, I just want to lie. Enough me, coach. I cheat. <laughs> pass it on. Yeah, I, get out of here. Uh, Woody, I just, thinking of you playing pickup and telling the ref that the ball went off you <laughs> makes me like, cringe a little bit and the ref over here like no, trying to show no, me up by the way in, in this anecdote there was no ref we are self-refing <laughs> and i, I and i say the ref was probably like F- you man yeah <laughs> yeah it was literally just the ball went out for a corner and i said it went off me for a corner and no one asked me i i think i i could have i thinking back on it i could have gotten away with it but and it was just a corner, I, wasn't it? I played with integrity. In? Yeah, it was a. It was. It you was gave a, him a corner. I kick? gave him a corner. Yeah. Come on, Witty. We did these guests a tremendous disjustice. We started out with. It's either how, a disservice or an injustice, but not a. Yeah, disjustice. I was gonna say coming <laughs> yeah. up that did that didn't sound right. I was like, hmm, should I just keep going because that did not sound right to me. Yeah. Which one was it? More of an injustice or a disservice? I would say yes. disservice. Yes, I'd say disservice. Yeah. We started out with, are they tearing the country apart? And then we ourselves said, you know what? We're anti-integrity. <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of par for the course on Mystery Great, though. Hmm. Chris Cody, you want to end it? Bye. Friends, a lot has changed over the years, personally and across our airwaves. But one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. You know, for me personally, I recently bought a few six-packs of Miller Lite for my housewarming party, because that's one thing that's changed for me. I moved into a new house, and I brought some friends over, and we enjoyed the best light beer. Because Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. Less filling and only 96 calories. The original light beer since 1975. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com crate. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer.